You are listening to the Mimi B Podcast, a lifestyle podcast that is designed to help you transform your life and become the best version of yourself possible. On this podcast, we talk about health, personal growth, career, and pretty much everything else it takes to become the best you there is. I'm your host, Mimi Bouchard. I own the online magazine, Mimi B, and I create courses on how you can upgrade your life to the next level. Every single one of us has the ability to produce extraordinary results in our lives, and this podcast is going to help you get there. Hey guys, today I'm here with Jane Liu. She is the founder and CEO of the huge online retail empire, Shopo. She's based in Australia, so we're recording right now, early morning London, late afternoon in Australia. (laughs) How are you doing Jane. Great. I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm so excited to chat with you because your story is so inspirational and I feel like our listeners are really going to love everything you say today. Basically, to give you guys a bit of a backstory, Jane Liu is a corporate dropout. She used to work in accounting and she went from being 60 grand in debt to the Forbes 30 under 30 list. And she's the online retailer of the year. So how did you do this? Like, tell me a little bit about your story because this is crazy and so commendable. Like you literally went from hating your job to creating a $60 million online empire. Like that's insane. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Thanks so much. Um, God, I mean, I mean, I guess I like, the thing is I never even like, thought that I would want to start a business. I mean, that's why I I went into accounting. Like it seems like very, I guess, trading 180. Um, I always like, you know, I grew up to be pretty academic and, you know, I always had like my career path really kind of like set out for me from a young age because my parents and I are immigrants. We, like, we moved to Australia from China when I was eight and, um, you know, like as an immigrant, all they want what my parents wanted for me was to have like a secure future, like a, like a, like job security and financial security. Mm-hmm. Why, you know, what's safer than accounting, right? <laughs> um, so yeah, we did that. And then I, I, I actually started working when I was 18, um, which, you know, I actually enjoyed at the time, but anyway, a few cut to a few years later. Um, I just, you realized it took me three years to realize how much I actually hated accounting um, and how I was actually terrible at it. Um, and so a friend came to me with the idea of wanting to start a side, like a side of business. And so I was, I jumped at the idea, wanted to do do it as a side hustle. I didn't even care what the business model was. And then I did it. We did it for six months and then I even quit my job for it. And wow. And it failed. It failed like a, a one month later. Like it failed in a few months. Like it. And what was the had, business? We ran uh, these pop up stores in underutilized locations. Um, so, oh, mm. I don't even know where that sound came from. I'm sorry. It's okay. Don't worry about it. <laughs> um, so, the business was to run um, pop up stores in underutilized locations like bars. So, we would have like you know when bars are like not busy we would essentially run a pop-up store because it's 
bars are in like great trap like really he- heavily foot traffic locations but then you can get really cheap rent because they're not using it at that time and then it's got that cool factor and you're stocking emerging designers like it seemed like a good idea but the problem is it's just not scalable so mm. just, you know it's it's it would always forever remain a side hustle um like just an income stream and that's if you did it well and efficiently which we didn't do um, I, so what did you do when you failed that? Cause you had quit your job. Like that's pretty bad, you know? Yeah. Well I quit my job. Yeah. So I quit my job actually. So it didn't even like necessarily fail, although I'm sure it would have in the long run, but in that month, um, you know, I quit my job and then I spent the next month working on this business and I actually started building it into an online store. So I took, I built an online store by just teaching myself how to used HTML and then I um, took photos of over a thousand products that we had from these emerging designers and then my business partner you know she, she actually was overseas at that point and she, when she came back she was like I don't want to do it anymore I'm burnt out I'm over it and I said just look at this website I think we can make it work I know you're burnt out from running these pop-up stores but look at the website because I think we can pivot the business she refused to look because she said that no one shops online and this, oh my god! How many years ago was this? this Two thousand and ten. Oh my god! Wow. Just on the brink of this huge change. Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. She probably regrets it. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, and then so we sold the business, but I didn't have the confidence um, to do the business by myself. I didn't have. The, I just, just it never even honestly crossed my mind to do the business. Keep going with the business by myself. So we folded the business, and yeah, all of a sudden I was unemployed. I was in debt. I was, um, didn't, I was, yeah. And I had failed, failed business. So I just could not be more rock bottom. I was just, you know, so ashamed and embarrassed as well, because, you know, like this is back in 2010, like entrepreneurialism kind of the way this current way, like it's hit Australia quite late. So I like mm. know any friends who had their own business. So people were like, when, when I quit my job, they were like, Oh, they were waiting for me to fail. They were like, what do you know about fashion? What do you know about retail? What do you know about starting a business? So they were just like waiting for me to fail. And I was just so embarrassed because I thought people just going, were like laughing, were going, laughing at me behind my back. And so, and I was so embarrassed and so ashamed that I actually didn't even tell my parents that I quit my job. So I, mm. um, because it was just so risky. And so I actually just, and I wasn't, I'm an only child. So like, all the attention's on me, all of their eggs are in the Jane basket. And so I actually pretended to go to work for the first six months. I was living at home. And so I would get up like early and just like put on the suit every day. Um, and my mom actually, my mom worked in the city. That's amazing. Uh, it was, it's so ridiculous. Um, my mom worked in the city. So I, I had to get the bus into the city with her. Um, and just like, and I was carrying around the empty laptop bag. And I just could not have felt more pathetic. <laughs> um, but, I guess, but how amazing of a story is that? Mm-hmm. Like, come on, that's amazing. I, I guess, yeah. And I guess, like, it definitely makes you want to, like, not get complacent. And, you know, it makes you want to change the situation ASAP. <laughs> um, yeah. Have- so, so how did you – you weren't – you just said you weren't confident enough to do this business – yourself so how did you end up actually doing it did you have to go through personal growth yourself to kind of gain that confidence or did you take on a new business partner like what what were the steps from a to b there I wish I could say I just like 
got that confidence. No, I had to take on a new partner. I actually, at that time, um, at that point, I had one a friend, one friend that had his own business, and I thought that I would actually go and ask him for a job. And you know, because no one, it was in the, it was this was all in the middle of the global financial crisis, so no one was hiring. Um, mm. So I couldn't get a job again. I thought he could give me a job, and then I could learn a lot from him. Um, and so he kept insisting that I meet this friend who wanted to also start a fashion retail business because she already had a she already had a fashion business, but wanted to get into the retail side of things. And I kept insisting like, no, like I literally just failed at a fashion business. It's the last thing I want to do. Um, which, you know, now I realize, so what's, what's interesting is now I realize how stupid that is because if, if you've just failed at something, you actually are more of an expert at it than, I mean, obviously if you succeed at it, it would be great, but I've just like learned so much about that. I should take that, those learnings and make something of it and not necessarily, not necessarily just run away from it. And I think it's also interesting the fact that like I approach this guy and it's just like, sometimes it's just like little things that you do are like a stepping stone from one thing to another. Like looking back, I can see a clear path that kind of, not a clear path, but I see the path that got me to where I am today, today, but at the time, it was just like when you're like shit out of luck, you just kind of like go from one thing and then whatever opportunity you got, you just have to like jump to the next thing. But um, yeah, so he introduced me to this girl and we just we just like instantly hit it off. Like we became best friends. We just got along so well. And she we got really drunk one night and just we came up with a name and the concept behind um, the business. And we were called Show Pony, Show Pony back then. So yeah, that's how we kind of all started and even that night um I got home and I I didn't want her to back out because I knew I needed a business partner so that night I spent that month setting up I built the website um from scratch and what was great is I just spent a month building learning how to build websites so I kind of wanted to do that because I wanted to impress her because she already had a successful business I had a failed business I wanted her to get into business with me but I also wanted her to, you know, because I didn't want it to be the alcohol talking. I wanted to make it too awkward for her to back out of the business because I had already done so much. So anyway, whatever it was. that, Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I totally get that. Um, drunk promises, the amount of drunk promises I've made. Like, babe, like, let's go on holiday next yeah. week. Like, no. <laughs> So that's really great that you like, you know, locked her in. Is she still working for the business? Because you're the CEO and founder. So, you know, is she still involved? No. So we actually, um, so the business, we, we actually, when we were together, we, we were together for 15 months and we were doing pretty well because at the halfway mark, we made $22,000 a month, just the two of us. Wow. Amazing. But then, um, you know, we both became distracted I became distracted with one of the pop-up stores like we had this little like store in the Westfield um for show pony um and then she had her own business take off um the one that she already had so we were both a bit distracted and then our online sales just really started dropping like we by the end of our time together we were making five thousand dollars a month which is only two orders a day and so she actually just, it wouldn't have been fair to her business. So she decided to um, just opt out of the business. And we, we part of ways amicably. And so we're pretty mm. now. 
Oh, good. Okay, that's great. So how did you bring this business from 5000 a month to 100 million in sales by next year? Yeah. Like you did this all yourself because you, you know, you, you and your business partner split. So like, tell us the secrets. Like, how did you do this? Was it a lot about timing in that re- online retail kind of space? Or was it more about, you know, you having a very good game plan and really executing? Um, definitely not the latter. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh my God. I'm so curious. I definitely think we, I got very lucky and was on the start of this fast fashion online retail wave. Um, and I intuitively like was doing social media. Well, I was doing social media because I didn't have any money. And also when I was working in accounting, I hated my job and spent all my time on Facebook. So knew how you like knew the ins and outs of it really well and started building the business on social media. But, um, and this is at the time, again, like back, this is in Australia, all the big retail powerhouses, they still thought that social media was just a fad. Um, either they didn't get it or they didn't believe in it and they would delegate it to like some junior burger. And so, you know, what, whilst these other big established businesses didn't come on soon enough, you know, I started, we started building the business using social media, um, at a really low cost. But I think what also what I was also doing, because the month, because um our last month together was five thousand dollars, but the next month by myself we got to nine thousand, and then the month after that, forty, and then seventy-five, like within five months we went from five thousand dollars to hundred and forty thousand dollars, which is like insane because I was still kind of doing oh almost God. everything by myself. Um but Wait, so quickly before we, I just, I need to know how, like, did you like have, was it a drop shipping thing? Did you design all the items yourself? Did, like, how did you ship all this? Like, how did you set up that structure? Yeah. So, so basically what you ideally want to do when you start it, like when you have like a, a store is you pull, you do one thing at a time, you pull one lever at a time. So you can really see what the impact of every action is. And that's something that's, that's like the luxury of having a smaller business because you're not doing that many things at once. Whereas now we're doing so many things at once. Like we can't really, you know, we you really need strong data analytics to see what it is back then. You can just do things in isolation. But the problem is I was doing everything at once because I didn't have the luxury of time. I was like running out of money. Um, I had to, I just did a million things at once, but I think, what was great was being in business by myself, I actioned everything really quickly and I, I only had to answer to myself. So I wasn't scared of trying new things because I, if I failed, I just I had to answer to myself. So I would do things really quickly, test them out, and then quickly, if they worked, just double down on it. And so just I was kind of doing like so many things at once and because the business was growing, just kind of like doing a bit of – just kept doing everything. And so – you know, at the start, it was just doing some really, I mean, the thing is when we were $5,000, that's two orders a day. That's really not much work. So even when we got doubled to 9,000, that's still four orders a day. So I, I'm just like, I also, I think it was just like a lot of like work at the start. Um, and I was kind of like burning myself out, but by doing everything, but I, you know, like when you, when you see the, when you're seeing results, I think that's when it's really easy to stay motivated. But what's funny is I actually didn't want to even hire people because I was, you know, I just spent the last two, like year and a half being broke because of this business. I 
looks at the thing about Australia is minimum wage is really high. It's like $23 (laughs) compared to like, whoa. I was like, screw that. I'm going to do it by myself. Um, And which actually would have held the business back. But what happened was while the business wasn't going, this is, it sounds so reckless of me to have planned this holiday, but um, my friends convinced me to go to Miami for Ultra Music Festival like three months into like the month that we would have made, been making $75,000. And I t- and I said I wasn't going to go. I needed to focus on the business, but I have a really rubbery elbow. So they kind of twisted my arm and then I decided to go anyway, which actually forced me into hiring someone to work in work for that our online store um, even though it meant that they had to go in through my parents' house and down to the dingy garage just to pack orders and do customer service emails. And it forced me to actually create systems and create processes. And so when I came back, I learned this important lesson that even though like things weren't done perfectly um, and yeah, I could have done it better, but like nothing was really broken. And so it meant that I came back to a business that you know, was able to scale because it finally started to have some systems in place. And so that was actually a really important lesson to learn. Um, And so great that I went raving (laughs) in Miami. And so that was um, kind of when we started to really become more of a business than just, just selling stuff online, I guess. And then from there, that mixed with online um, social, just investing more in social media, um, I think what's great about the social media thing is like having, once you have some successes, then you can really back yourself and believe in it. Um, and once you start to get the algorithm, you can really just like back then, like now it's like harder to find a hack, but back then I think it was like, it was a bit like the wild, wild west in the social media world. Mm. You really like, you know, because the big companies weren't doing it. They weren't investing resources into it. Facebook wasn't like trying to monetize off it that heavily. Like it was like a bit of a free for all, which is just, again, like perfect timing um, for me. And then from that point on, I took on my first, uh, I met this girl who became our general manager. And I think the difference of having someone, instead of just having someone working, you know, packing orders, doing admin, doing customer service, she was coming in and building the business with me. And she's very process driven. So she put in all these systems, which honestly, at the time, we were butting heads. Like I just thought she was, I was like, oh, she's so annoying. She's doing these things because just for the sake of it, I bet you because she read it in some book, um, just like, you know, she's just playing business. Like let's just go chase money and make money. Like, And so we butt, we butt heads for ages. But then what she did was she built this, she built out the foundation for the business. So when it started growing, it, it, it gave it the ability to scale um, and to grow without being a house of cards. So that was probably, um, you know, she probably brought in the next big wave of growth. And then she, and then we also, you know, really understood how to do paid social media, which was probably the next element after you nail or, or not nail. I don't think anyone would truly nail it, but once you, you know, I think with organic social media, you can probably exhaust it after a while. So paid social media is probably the next big thing. And then just investing more in inventory and product because the more product you have, the more you can sell. So doing that in a safe way 
without burning through your cash. And yeah, that makes so much sense. What an incredible story. Wow. And you know what? The delegating thing is something that I have actually struggled with in the past as well. I feel like I just want to do everything my way, but I finally, with my business, Mimi B, I have finally, finally just hired on like a business strategist to help me out with all the things that I'm not, thank you, with all the things that I'm not, you know, great at. Uh, And it's, it's saving me a lot of time and it's, it's really a great feeling feeling like you have somebody else that really believes in what you're doing with you. So I totally can see how that's, that's when your business has really grown, but how I'm just so curious, like you make so many sales. How did like, where, like, I don't even understand. Cause I, this, I'm very new to this whole retail online, uh, company, right? So how did you go from selling out of your parents' basement into selling, you know, hundreds or uh, almost a hundred million in sales by next year. Like, where do you? How do you find a warehouse? Like, oh, like just how did you learn all of this? Um, like, my definitely my general manager, this girl I was talking about, really helped a lot. Like, we like yeah, like when she, we went from um, like I in my parents' garage, my I would get my mom to take sickies, like take a sick day, help me fill out orders. I remember the first day she did it, it was almost time to go to the post office like physically go to the post office to drop things off and then I realized we used to handwrite thank you notes she was writing everything in broken English like the like she had her English was wrong and we had to like open them and rewrite them like that's how poorly structured it was to hiring people to packing orders like we used to like we used to time people and give them KPIs like it was pretty like we're pretty strict. And then we went from in it, that was in our first office. And, you know, we, even then we had a two year lease and I was like, Oh my God, this is so risky. I'm never going to fill out this space. I bought the biggest and ugliest, ugliest piece of furniture, like not intentionally ugly. It's this big piece of furniture just to take up space. And we, by after one year, so even though we still had one more year on our lease, we ran out of space Everything was chaos and part of us just we didn't have a system in place for where everything everything goes. So even when we were packing or filling orders, every product we just memorized where they were and everyone had to just memorize where they went. And we had we would have been making like 300k, I don't even know, like we were making like a lot, and we had to just memorize where things go. And there would be product that would their official spot is like in the kitchenette. The official spot is like next to my feet under my desk. Like, and we had to make do. And so from there, we started looking at warehouses and we, I'm pretty sure we took the first one that we saw. Um, but then we learned up. And so I remember that back then, the thing is when you make mistakes in business, as long as you learn from it, I think you can't beat yourself up because you're constantly going to make mistakes as you grow because you're constantly dealing with new problems at new scales and new levels. So I remember like just beating myself up over the fact that, so my first business, I lost $10,000, which is so much money. It's like my entire life savings after, at that point. But then this lease was $30,000 a year, um, but we, we couldn't fulfill the second year. Um, so that was the $30,000 of waste. But then the next year we were going into a warehouse that was $120,000 in rent. But then at that point, I we knew that, okay, look, 
we don't know how fast we're going to grow. Also, we don't know if the business is going to fail. We're not taking on more than one year of lease. So that taught us that lesson. And then after a year in that warehouse, we actually did run out of space. So even though I wasted $30,000 then, from that moment on, it's taught me how to like, do you know what I mean? I mean, I'm not, leasing's not that sexy of a subject for podcasts, but. No, I totally know. But like, we need to know this because there might be people listening that are interested in starting their own online business. And, you know, this is just, I, I just, I'm really interested in how you learn all of this. And by failure, that is a learning tool. And I totally agree with you. You know, when you fail, it, it's not a huge loss. It's just, you you need to see it as an optimist that you're learning from it. And the more you fail, the closer you are to actually reaching your, your goals. And I believe that failure only actually exists when you give up, right? Yeah, so I yeah, I love, I love talking about this. Um, and you know, one more thing before we get into like the more social media side of it, how did you like source all the clothing that you were selling? Was it just like for manufacturers in China and, or did you design it yourself? So we used to um, just retail and now we design 80% of our styles and we have over 120 to 150 styles out every week, new styles. So that has wow. So basically I, I mean, I have a fine a degree in accounting and finance so, so um with no background in fashion at all so with my first business we stopped in these pop-up stores we stopped emerging designers and that's where I learned about this concept of consignment which means that well consignment means that you don't pay for product until after it sells and so when that business when I started Shopo we really we wanted to get our first supplier um, and my business partner, having a fashion business, had contacts in the industry. So that was very lucky. She um, introduced us to our first supplier who we pitched the idea of working on consignment, which like wholesalers do not like at all. So we got very lucky. Um, but I wouldn't have known to, I would not have known to pitch that had we, had I not had my first business that failed. So, you know, it, it's great what's come of it. Um, which I would not have appreciated at the time. Anyway, so we, what what this meant was every morning I would have to go into the supplier's um, office and pick up everything that we sold in the last 24 hours. Sometimes this meant like two giant like suitcases of stuff, which I would then take and send out the order. So this was like very much a manual task and very time-consuming and laborious, but at that time, you know, I had plenty of time, but I didn't have plenty of money. So, you know, had to make two. But then, of course, once we started making enough money, would buy stock outright. So, and how we moved from that to designing our own product. So, I mean, so much of what's um, helped Shopo grow to where it is today has been hiring the right people. And so that's what we did. We um, hired this head buyer who's now our head of product um, who basically build out an entire design team that's 12 people. Um, like now we, she just, she has product vision and she has just this vision for the company and she just spent the last four, five years building it out. So I would have never even know how to have done this, but yeah, so I just finding great people. We're, we're launching 
affordable bridal wear on Thursday. Like, I, you know, I can't. Oh my God, congrats. Yeah. That's huge. And it's just like, honestly, finding good people makes the world a world of difference. Mm, yeah, I can totally see that. That's amazing. So how many people do you have hired now for Showboat? Over 150. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I bet you've been through like some, some bad eggs though. How do you gauge whether or not you want to hire someone and how do you fire someone if they're not doing well? That's huge. Oh, yeah. I mean, firing people does not get easier uh, with time, but I think you probably get better at having the conversation, but it's still probably one of the hardest things to do, which is why the hiring stage is so important. And I always like compare, um, hiring to dating because you know sometimes you just when you're hiring you don't want to get desperate and settle and also oh my god yeah people always say like you should be quick on firing people if they're not right but that's still such a hard discipline to follow because sometimes you're like because you've already invested it's like a like a partner you've invested so much time in your partner you're like oh I just want to make it work like you would be with a with a employee, but you can't you can't look at that as sunk cost because you know and that's and that's where it's hard because you've already like commit you've already spent all this time training them and then the thought of even like firing firing them and then like rehiring retraining it just seems like a lot but you know with over the last few years I've learned that if they're not right we've like just you can't it's just it's just not going to work out and it's worse in the long term because of the impact that they would have around to the people around them because not only can they be just a bad egg um and just you know through how they uh how they behave but also what what you allow what you encourage so if you allow complacency if you allow under performance in that staff member it breeds that culture to your whole company so, yeah, I mean, and it's, mm. yeah, it's still like, I don't know. I, it's one thing where even though you have a lot of experience, it's I feel like it was still, it's still not easy because the problem yeah. is that the interview process, like it's, it's really hard to really know someone through that interview process. Like, and so, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I guess you just need to be very focused on hiring a good judge of or a good character and be a good judge of character. Yeah. That's tough. That is really oh, tough oh, because it is like dating. I love how you just compared that. <laughs> you know, it totally is. That is the best thing to do that you could probably do in this situation. And this applies for everyone is to better forecast on when you would need someone to have more, which again, it's so hard. I'm, I say things sometimes where I'm like, oh, you know, even you don't even like follow this yourself but if you can forecast what you want then you don't have to rush your hiring process and so you can have the luxury of time to be a bit pickier and choosier and to do more it's a great tip great tip so let's go to social media you have like millions of followers Mm -hmm. on uh your showpo page your page you have a lot of followers as well like how did you i know we kind of spoke about this before but a lot of people now want to start their own business and it is essential, crucial to have a social media audience. How, 
Do you have any tips for anybody now looking to expand or grow their online presence to start, you know, selling their business? Um, yeah. So I think if you want to, the best way to start is to get organic, um, to grow it organically using Instagram because Facebook is pretty much just Facebook organic is dead. But what's, what Facebook is great at is um, paid, like paid traffic. So it's still cheaper than Google. It's probably your best way to, you know, pay for conversion, pay for sales. In terms of Instagram, it's so much, it, it honestly is so much harder than it was, but it's not impossible. So I think it's, you know, you really want to be niche and just, there's so much, there's so much noise out there. There's so many influencers, so many companies on now on social media. You want to have like a distinct brand so that you you can stick out in the market and that there is a reason to follow you. And I guess the thing that you always want to do is understand how the algorithm works and play to that. Like you play to Facebook, you play to Instagram's rules. So for example, like right now, you can see that they the, – and what the good thing is, the, the problem – okay, so the thing with like Facebook is they've got people on it. Now they just want to make money. So it's really hard to like get anything done. Whereas with Instagram, they're still trying to build out new tools. So they're trying to get more people on IGTV. And so how do they do that? They, they tried to do just new features. That didn't really work. And now they're – promoting it on the explore page they're letting you put it on the feed so they actually you know change the way that they like that their algorithm works so that they they favor something like igtv or insta stories and so that's kind of like where you've got the most easy uh easy engagement so you know if when you're trying to start uh, a company and get on social media and you don't have, you've got limited time and resources, you should pull it, like point it towards where there's easy engagement. But also you have to align with like what your brand is, I guess. Yeah. Let's talk about branding. How, like, how do you start a, a brand that is like sexy to your potential audience? Because your brand obviously has done so well because of, how, you know, clean and cute it looks, you know, like I go on your website, I'm like, oh, this looks really good. Like I want to buy from you because it looks professional and on trend and sexy. How would somebody looking to start their brand, whether it's an online retail store or their own personal brand, how like, do you have any big tips? Like if they're not that great at, you know, design or, or aesthetically making their feed good? Like, would you hire someone on for that? Or would you just say, learn it yourself? Because it's something you just essentially need to do if you're online. Um, so, well, I mean, at the start, I definitely did everything myself because it's just easier and faster to do your, do it yourself instead of giving to someone. Um, but obviously like it wouldn't be as good if, as if you got someone really good, but you can, there's also websites like where you can get freelancers to work on it. But even the briefing process, you know, I, I think at the start, whatever you can try and do yourself would be really good because then you can, I think it's about understanding where your blind spots are and where your weaknesses are and then delegating those out. But you might want to like just give it a go 
where possible. I don't know how much money you might have to start a business, but that, I, mean, I guess that's what I did. But in terms of the um, brand, so I think I think it depends on the product because a lot of you know some situations you would have to do some market research. But I guess for me, when I was selling clothes, and I'm in that demographic of girls that I'm trying to sell to. I mean, I was, I'm probably there all now. But um, so at the time, <laughs> what I wanted, and I just, you kind of just take, honestly, it took a stab in the dark. And what's great about social media is you get instant feedback of what people want to see and what they don't. And you can just, you just have to be reactive to it. And so, mm. you know, maybe that's where my accounting background comes in because I look at the numbers and I can derive like, okay, like you you post a bunch of stuff on like Instagram or Facebook and you go, okay, what's the common thread between the, all these posts that have done well? Is it this model? Is it the, the, the type of media, like that it's a video or it's a photo or is it the actual product or is it the fact that she's in the studio or she's outside doing a location shoot? So you kind of like try and find the correlation between what does well and what doesn't and you just keep doing more of what works. Um, and I think you do, uh, to some extent, you know, you don't want to just like, I mean, if you just did what people wanted, then you have like an Instagram account full of like cat videos. So you got to like um, use some like, you got to sense check it. But I think that's probably like the mm-hmm. way to start. Like even with my personal brand, I think I just kind of, um, I guess I kind of just like accidentally put myself out there because I was trying to get PR for free for the, for um, like fashion PR and no one cared because we were just back then, we were just a retail business um, that didn't have our own unique design. So no one really wanted to do anything on us. Um, But then I found that my business successes were interesting and we were getting business PR. And so again, like, based on the fact that that's doing well, just doing more of it. And, you know, I, I'm always very like, even, you know, talking to you or talking to even the, some boring financial press, I would kind of still talk in the same way because I don't know how to do otherwise. But then that actually, you know, resonating well with the, with people, because I guess it's, um, I don't know, just, more personable I don't have investors so I don't have like some big boss to answer to so I can be myself like people seeing that I did well I just kept doing more of it and so I guess that well it's obviously worked for you you know I think being personable is huge in business you don't need to be this like you know cookie cutter like very professionally spoken intense business person I think the business world has been changing so much and it's like you know I I was reading as well how you talk about like drinking wine and like going out and like you're still like you know you're still a woman that has fun with her life and, and likes what she likes and does what she does. Right. And, and you can still be like a, a hundred million dollar business, you know, at the same time. Yeah. I mean, I like that messaging. <laughs> Do it all. It's amazing. Really. It's commendable. And I think you're the beginning of the future of millennial business women that, you know, are kind of restructuring the game. And I find it so aspirational and I'm, I'm just like so happy that we've been able to chat today. Seriously. Oh, thank you. Thanks so much. So 
what's next for Shopo? Like, what are some of your next big goals? Do you think online is going to still be the future? And, you know, are you looking way in the future for sales and stuff? Or are you just kind of concentrating on building in the now? Um, To be honest, I think we've just grown so much that we need to just, um, just like we're, we're, we just need to kind of like put in really good systems and processes, which is so boring and not sexy, but we need to put all those things in so that we can prepare ourselves for the next level of growth. Because, you know, again, if you don't have that properly, if you have, don't have that done properly, once you grow, it's really easy. It's, you know, if you, if you face a problem, it's really hard to fix. So I just want to like, and then this is the luxury of not having investors. We don't have people that um, makes us need to grow really quickly or rushes us um, because we don't need to just, you know, we're not on a time schedule. So I think just taking time to just get the, like some of the fundamentals right for a business of our current size and where we want to be in the next few years. So that's pretty boring. But What's exciting is I definitely think online retail is still the future, but um, what's really going to change is right now is is all is using artificial intelligence to make that shopping experience really personalized and just you know you don't ever want to or need to sh- show your customers like content that doesn't apply to them and product that don't apply to them, and I think people are running. There's so much like content being generated and there's so much going on, going on. People don't have time to like just really surf and see things that they don't want. So I think just probably the first thing is to understand our customer better and then to um, understand what she wants and using like technology to really improve the customer experience, which is like Love really amazing. Totally. It is so the future. I can just picture, you know, in everybody's homes, you're going to have a little like room where you can like digitally try on clothing from online shops before you buy it. Like, I feel like that's going to happen. Yeah, that would be exciting. <laughs> um, okay. So I have one last question for you. And I ask this to many of my guests. I'm obsessed with morning routines. I blame all of my personal and business success on my morning routine. And I'm very curious always to know what the people I speak to do in the morning. So my question for you, Jane, is if you wake up on the wrong side of the bed, what is a routine or something that you do that ensures that you'll bounce back and have an amazing day? Um, I have coffee. That's pretty much. Oh my God, (laughs) preach. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, yeah, I think like people people in the office are like they're like oh. sometimes I come in and I'm just like grouchy because I'm not a morning person and as soon as I have coffee, I like I bounce back. <laughs> That's amazing. So just the coffee, you don't you know like because for me personally, like I do like I write stuff down and like get it out of my head and I have my coffee of course. But do you have any like kind of habits that you do? on a daily basis, it doesn't have to be in the morning, but like on a daily basis that you really think has strongly impacted your success. Oh my God. <laughs> um, I am. Oh, what do I do? I think I've just, I, I'm a big list maker and my calendar mm. is truly reflective of everything that I do. And I plan like 
I block things out in my calendar to make sure I think get things done. And I think I think ultimately um, the key, not necessarily the key to success, but I think what's important is just having discipline. Because you know they, you know the like nurture versus nature study. Um, ultimately, mm. the result of that is whether you have self control. Like you say you're going to do something, like just do it. Mm, absolutely the ultimate case and what a people might have different ways that'll make them do things but just being able to prioritize being able to prioritize like work over work yeah I mean yeah you know having a balance of course (laughs) but like yeah Yeah, absolutely But the discipline thing is major. Mm. And, you know, it's funny because I feel like so many people try to work around that. But it's like, no, at the end of the day, it will always stay the same. You yeah, need discipline. I, you need to make a plan. I remember doing a webinar and someone was like, oh, but there's so many, like, there's so many, like, how do I post to social media? Like, I don't have time to, like, post. Like, just post one time a day. Like, oh, I don't have time for that. I'm like, well, you go to the toilet and you just do it there. Like, just get it done. Like, if you want to have a business... Like, you can't, like, what do you want me to tell you? Like, it's not important. Like, just, just do it. <laughs> oh, my God. It's so funny. You're so right. So many people are like, oh, no, I don't have time. And I'm like, no, you have time. Replace that statement with I'm not prioritizing yeah. this in my time frame, exactly. right? You know. Yeah. Oh, anyway, it was so nice chatting to you. Thank you so much, Jane. Okay, where can everyone find you on on your socials, where can people shop at Shopo? Give us all the okay, details. So it's shopo.com or at Shopo on Instagram. And I, you can find me um, as the lazy CEO on Instagram, on YouTube. Um, and also I have a business group called like-minded bitches drinking wine, which has over a hundred thousand women on there all helping out with business advice. And there's local events in 25 cities around the world. So I highly recommend you check that out too. Oh my God, is that on Facebook? I'm so going to join that. Like-minded bitches drinking wine. (laughs) Okay, love it. Amazing. I'm not a big drinker, unfortunately. (laughs) I'm very affected by booze. I get like I'm the biggest lightweight and it messes me up. But I will come and I'll be a business-minded bitch (laughs) drinking juice. (laughs) 